Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sara Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host, Sara Davison, shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sara Davison. Welcome back to the show. And today, my guest is Tiffany Bevelin. Tiffany is the founder and CEO of DreamsRecycled.com. And she's a certified life and divorce coach. After her own divorce, she was forced to recycle her life. DreamsRecycle.com started as the only marketplace that specializes in selling goods from one's divorce. Today, the site consists of the marketplace, articles, secondary divorce services directory, and a great interactive community. Tiffany has appeared on AOL News, Fox News, CBS News, and dozens of global publications and radio shows bestowing hard-hitting advice on divorce. She's also the author of the bestseller, My Dreams Recycled. Tiffany is well known as a life coach helping both men and women to improve or recycle their lives and relationships to live a happier, more balanced life. So I'm really excited to welcome Tiffany to the show. Hi, Tiffany. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Thank you so much for joining us. I know you're in Florida right now and I'm over here in the UK, but you are from the UK originally. I am. I am from a tiny little town. Well, probably not tiny now, but when I grew up, that was a very small, late and buzzard Bedfordshire. Aha, aha, I know it well. So I know a lot of people know you. I know you're doing some amazing work out there at the moment to help support people through breakups and divorce, which is why I'm super excited to have you as a guest. But for those people that don't know who you are and what you do, can you tell us a little bit about what you do and also how you got started with it? Absolutely. So if anyone had asked me, you know, 10, 15 years ago, if I would ever be a woman in tech or know anything about divorce, I would have said they were insane. I absolutely would not have thought I would ever have been here, which is, you know, most of our stories. None of us get married thinking we're going to get divorced, right? And so I was, you know, like many, many people in America, 53% of us that end up divorced. And I was married for 16 years. I have three amazing children. And after 16 years of marriage, and the worst part, now in hindsight, 12 years as a stay-at-home mom, Mm. I found myself divorced with three children that I had full custody of and no real skill set. I've been married my entire adult life. And so me being the independent person I am, I was like, doesn't matter, I'll just go get a job. And I very, very quickly realized that corporate America and probably in England too, does not welcome you back after a 12 year gap. That's always people who have better resumes, better experience. And yeah, so, that's challenging, isn't it? Getting back to work when you've got three kids at home anyway. Right, yeah. yeah. And then the childcare and the 24 hours. They were younger at the time. They were 6, 10, and 12, which is, you know, you've got soccer and you've got ballet and you've got like, you know, 4 million piles of homework and you've got to build a, you know, pyramid before n- noon the <laughs> next day. Like it's yeah. not very conducive to kind of working anyway, really. Not unless you're in a very high bracket. 
And so I was really desperate. I was at a point where I sent out 100 resumes, got no response, no interviews. And I was like, I, I don't have any relative experience in anything. And I actually was so stressed. I had a stress dream. I don't know if you've had one of those where you like, you can't find things. <laughs> so I went to sleep and I, I couldn't find where I could sell my engagement ring. And so I was going to jeweler to jeweler and saying, hey, will you buy my ring? And they were like, I'll give you a dollar. And I was like, I've got three kids. Like, I need to be my kids. You can't give me a dollar for my, you know, giant engagement ring. And I was so upset in the dream. You know how you get in those dreams? And I was so upset. And I was like, screw that. I'll just sell my ring and everyone else's ring on a website called Dreams Recycled. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And it was such a crazy, specific dream. But the next day, I woke up and I thought, that was odd. And I started doing some research And I had been in the court system in America for four and a half years, which it's a miracle I or anyone survives that, right? And and I realized the most relevant skill set I had was navigating divorce because I had been through it all. I had seen it all. And so literally on like a wing and a prayer, I... um, started researching you know tech which I had no experience in whatsoever and 13 days later I went from unemployed single mom of three to the CEO of my own tech company which is now dreamsrecycled.com the biggest divorce community in the world as far as I know. That is incredible so how did you overcome that initial fear because I know a lot of my listeners will be thinking well how on earth did she do that? Well, I think it's part of necessity, right? Women, men, I mean, when you're faced with no other options, you tend to do much better. (laughs) And so I really didn't have any other options. And so I just really set out to learn as much as I could. And anyone out there, I mean, it doesn't matter what you want to learn about now. Thank God the internet has it all for free, right? I would Google, you know, how to send website traffic, how to build a website, how to hire tech people, how to brand your company. And I literally am completely self-taught to this day. I've found it on Google. (laughs) And that's how I got here. And so you obviously sell wedding rings. What else do you sell then on on your site? Well, now, um, because my site, when we, we launched in 2013, and it was instantly so, so popular, and my story and how I kind of got to where I got to was so popular, it already had a blog section. And since then, it's grown, in, grown into a whole community. So we have community of divorcees, both men and women. We have obviously the article section still. We have a huge resource section where you can find our preferred lawyers, insurance brokers, movers. I mean, you know yourself that there's no time such as divorce that you need so much help from so many other people. Mm. And and really, and we still sell anything from your divorce. You can put up anything. That's so. really interesting. I, I just recently did a, a podcast about taking off your wedding ring because that was a really big moment for me. It was very emotional. And I hadn't really thought about it before, but I'd never taken it off. And then when I took it off, what what do you do with it? So this is amazing. This is a great thing to be able to do. I mean, wedding dresses as well. What do you do with that? It's a once in a lifetime, isn't it? 
Well, absolutely. And they're very high ticket items. And even though on my website or any other website that resells things, you're not going to get the retail value. Mm. But I like to think of it as a really nice synergy, right? You are releasing those things. And let's face it, all things hold thoughts, whether we think they do or not, whether it's a picture on your wall that you've got on your honeymoon or the ring on your finger or your wedding dress hanging in your closet that you have to like push past, right? Yeah. And so those things are really unhealthy to hold on to. So when you release them, it's really empowering. And I like to think it's really helpful because you're letting somebody who can't afford the retail price of a new dress or new ring or whatever get value out of them, which I love. And it's also detoxing your life a bit, isn't it? Getting rid of the old, that's like you say, holding you back, keeping you attached to that relationship when really what you need to be doing is moving on, I guess, right? Absolutely, because those things, you know, they hold thoughts, but they also hold space in your life, right? Mm. If you were, you know, in your closet, you don't have room to put new stuff. If you're holding on to all the stuff in your house, people don't really accept this. But I have worked with a ton of different divorcees, and I'm telling you it's true, that you are holding space in your bed even. If you let your kids move into your bedroom and sleep in bed with you, which, you know, a lot of us do, even I did for a small amount of time after my divorce, you're holding that space. You're not allowing any new things or new people into your life. Yeah, and I think it's it's tough, though, isn't it? I mean, when you're going through a divorce, you're trying to move on. But at the same time, there's a big part of you that's scared to let go because you don't know what the future holds. So what's your advice? How did you get through that? sort of difficult time where it was like, I want to move forward, but I'm kind of stuck in the past here a bit. Yeah, well, I'll be the first to admit, I'm probably one of those people, especially then, right, that sees a life, a glass half full. So I definitely let these kind of negative thoughts overtake my life and this kind of like, poor me, what's happened, you know, kind of thing. And I did that for probably, you know, in the four and a half years, I think I did it at least the first year. I'm not gonna lie, I did. But then I really got to the point where I was like, okay, instead of me just constantly focusing on everything that I have no power over controlling or doing or moving or shifting, I'm really gonna move my mindset into, okay, what can I do? Mm. And so when we work with our clients, the first thing we always tell them to do is make a list. I'm a big list maker. <laughs> but you know, make a list of everything you still have the power over in your life to change. And it can be as simple as your hair color or your the gym you go to, the grocery store you go to, the people you associate with, right? Because that's another big negative. Divorce is a great color of toxic people out of your life. Yeah. Um, and once you have this list, you really start to see that you actually have, you know, a much brighter future that you have much more control over than you at first thought when kind of divorce was lumped on you kind of. Yeah, absolutely. I think looking at the world through glass half full rather than half empty can make a massive difference. Is what you focus on, you're going to see more of, right? So if you're focusing on glass half empty and what's wrong with me and all those negative questions, it's going to keep you stuck. Whereas, like you said, when you shift that focus, suddenly life becomes a little bit more exciting and you start to see those new opportunities. So what are your top tips for then going through that stage of shifting forward and, and taking your life back? What would you say got you through those dark moments and, and pushed you through? Because obviously you've done such a great job and your story is so inspiring for so many people. I mean, definitely the list was step one. 
And then I want to say, what I did is I actually did the list. <laughs> because yeah. just writing it is not very helpful. You have to take actionary steps. And you know, as a coach, you know, coaches are all about action. It's mm. all good that we say, you know, think differently, you know, all these fluffy kind of concepts. But when you really start to take action, action creates motivation for you to take more action. And so you've got to start working your way down that list. And as you're feeling more empowered, uh, my next tip would be to actually start meeting new people and going new places. And I call them deets because I don't call them dates because I really don't think anyone in the first year after a divorce should be looking for a new relationship. I think that's a recipe for disaster. But I think you definitely need to get out of your house, you know, on your sofa. You're not going to come across new opportunities, new people, new thoughts, new ideas. So you have to get out in the real world, which obviously is COVID. It's difficult, but we have Zoom. Thank God, right? Yeah. You have to get out there and really let yourself kind of create a new life filled with new things, new people, new ideas. And what would you say? Because I think this is great advice. You know, moving on and introducing new people is something that's key. But for those of my listeners who have been really hurt, maybe by betrayal or just would find it really hard to trust someone again, what would be your advice to actually help them start to dip their toe back in that water of even just meeting friends, let alone future partners? Yeah, I mean, it is. It's very, very difficult. And it's why I don't advocate dating for the first year. But I think you really think of it as just meeting people. And, you know, if you're on dating apps or in person, I think nowadays we, thank goodness, enlightened enough to be okay with somebody saying to us, you know, I'd like to go to dinner with you or the movies with you, but I'm not looking for a relationship so if you just want some company and to hang out let's go do it and so I think that's awkward to say the first time but once you really get comfortable saying that and doing that then it takes off all that kind of expectations and you start to realize that the like world is still full of a lot of amazing people and um I don't know if you read this in my bio but I went through a stage where I went off like 400 dates <laughs> 400 dates wow in what period of time well it wasn't literally 400 but it was a lot it was like I made this decision that I was going to go meet new people I mean I think we're all very insular right we have our husbands our wives our kids our same groups of friends I mean we wouldn't know anything good unless it came to our doorstep and so I made a conscious decision I was going to go out and meet people. And I think that does a lot of good for healing trust factors because you see that, you know, not everyone is for you, not everyone you're going to fall in love with, but you realize there are a lot of very, very good, nice people still in the world. Mm. And I still, to this day, am very good friends with some of those people I went on one date with and was like, okay, I'm not having a relationship, but they've become some of my best friends. That's amazing. Because saying yes to things, I guess, opens the opportunity, even if you think, well, they're not really my type or I haven't gone for that kind of person before. But just to say yes, would you advise that? Absolutely. Because as long as you're honest, honesty is the key to all dating in modern society, I think, right? Be honest with your intentions. Be honest with what you're looking for or not looking for. Be honest and with your profile pics. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that we've got to remember that when you meet people on these deets, you know, meets, dates, whatever, that 
they could lead to a lot of other good opportunities, whether it's they introduce you to somebody who becomes your, you know, the love of your life, or they help you find a job, or they encourage you to start a business, or they help you start your business, mm. or whatever it is. There are honestly a lot of really amazing people on the planet. And I think that letting yourself, you know, be kind of corralled by the sins of your exes and not move on is horrifying. And so why would you give them that power? Yeah, I love that, taking your power back in a way. And and I love your deets, not dates, because I think just the word dates and dating is just quite overwhelming for a lot of people, isn't it? And actually, you know, saying, well, it's a deets, it's kind of like a meet-up with no pressure. I think that's the thing, not looking for Mr. or Miss Right, just going out and having some fun. Mr. or Miss Right now could be enough right now. Right, and there's nothing wrong with having fun, right? Consenting adults, you can do as you wish. But it's got to be based on, you know, honesty. I think that's where it all goes wrong, all these awful horror stories you hear of online dating. It's where, you know, someone's on there saying they want to get married, but really they just want one night stand or whatever Mm. it is. So Mm. that's really, you just got to be honest and hope that other people are. And just be prepared that some people won't be honest. You know, your radar up. Just check that people are sincere and do as many checks as you can, I guess, before you go out there. Right, absolutely. Google is a great tool, right? You can look up practically anyone and anything. So check that out, especially safety. (laughs) And then what would your advice be for my listeners who are going through divorces that, let's say, aren't amicable? Maybe there's a lot of conflict and it's dragging on and on. Sometimes when you're going through a divorce, it can seem like it's never ending, right? What would be your advice for dealing with that conflict? I mean, my advice is let the lawyers handle as much of it as you can, right? Because we are not legal professionals. We are divorcees. And I think that most of the very high conflict divorces that I've worked with, you know, it all ends up in the courtroom. And so you let the legal professionals do their job obviously hire ones that are very knowledgeable and know what they're doing, which is another whole topic, and let them do the job and try and live your life the best you can in the here and now. Because it will eat you up if you don't, you know, kind of corral it. And my divorce was four and a half years long, which sounds a long time, but by American standards, isn't that long. (laughs) Really? Wow. Okay, that is pretty long. And also, you know, if you're dealing with conflict for that amount of time, it's going to have a big impact on your mental health as well. Yeah, you have to disengage. I mean, dealing with a combative ex, disengage is the primary word, boundaries and disengagement. You have to set those boundaries. You have to remove yourself from the situation. And you have to really be kind of steadfast in what you're doing, which obviously when you have children and child custody issues is very difficult. But then again, that's when you let the legal people do their job and you stick to whatever is decreed because that's where, you know, a good 80% of the drama comes in and you can kind of take a sideline, let the lawyers figure it out, you do the best you can and you're not so engulfed in it because it will. It's so unhealthy to go down that road and, you know, the view from the high road is always better. (laughs) I like that, definitely. And then divorcing with kids, I know that you've done that. What would be your tips for you know, helping support your kids through? Because it doesn't just impact you and your relationship, it also impacts the kids. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, the kids have to come first, right? We should always love our children more than we despise our exes. And if, <laughs> and if you don't, then I think you need to obviously, you know, seek some kind of therapy for that because your children should absolutely come first and you should shield them from as much of it as you can. They're small people. They are not adults. They don't need to know the ins and outs of the money and the infidelity and the drama and the court case, etc. And reassuring them that everything, you know, is still the same as far as their dad loves them, you love them, everybody loves them, and that it definitely wasn't their fault in any way are the three keys to kind of long-term making them into productive, healthy adults. Yeah, I agree. And kids take their lead, don't they, from adults? And I think they are a lot more resilient than sometimes we give them credit for and making sure we don't put our own anxieties onto our kids is key with this. So, you know, sometimes you can oversell things. I know that I did once with two Christmases to the point where one parent came out of school and said that her son had asked if she could separate from her husband because my son was so excited about having two Christmases and he wanted the same. So, I mean, but I think kids do take their lead, don't they, from us? And if we can show them that, yeah, there's going to be changes and, and there might be times where it can be challenging, but actually, you know, mum and dad still love them and that, you know, life's going to be good and they'll, they'll be okay and it's not their fault. That's important. Yeah, and absolutely. And children are really, really interesting. So I've never met a child who, if you ask them, you know, as a kind of standalone question said, do you want your parents to be happy? We'll tell you no, right? <laughs> and more and more studies, including a recent Harvard one a few years ago, are saying, you know, the damage you do to children staying in a dysfunctional, unhealthy, abusive marriage far exceeds a healthy divorce. Mm. And I have seen a lot of clients over the years that have stayed in relationships for the kids, even though they weren't happy. What do you say to that? I think it depends on how unhappy they are. I mean, if they're modeling a very unhealthy, unhappy relationship dynamic, if there's abuse, if there's dysfunction, if there's codependency, I definitely think the children would be better off, you know, if you were separated and healthier in yourself and with other people eventually. But, you know, if it's just kind of like you're both living your own lives and you're both happy, but you're not happy really like, you know, madly in love still, mm. it's a different kind of thing. You know, it's a very difficult situation and only the people within that relationship really know how bad it is. Yeah. So it has mm. to be their choice. And you mentioned codependency. Can you explain what you mean by that to our listeners? Well, go back a little bit. So since I've started Dreams of Cycle, I've talked to over 6,000 divorcees. And before I did this, I would never have believed what the cause of divorce was. I would have always thought it was, you know, money or infidelity and not that those aren't factors. But when I really started to have in-depth conversations with my clients and people in America anyway, I'll just preface that because I don't, I haven't been in England long enough to know. The three main reasons for divorce here the first one is you just grow apart, right? No one has done anything untowards. It's just kind of like you're not in love anymore. One of you is a pond, one of you is a river, one of you is outgrowing the other somehow, and you just kind of lost that connection. And so those seem to be here the least contentious divorces. And then the middle ones are the ones that we all hear about, right? They're the celebrities and the athletes and the whatever, which is infidelity and cheating and somebody's, you know, lost trust in the other one. But the third 
part, which I had no idea was such a huge thing, <laughs> is the people who get divorced because one or the other or both of the people in the relationship suffer from some kind of codependency, addiction, alcoholism, or personality disorder, which makes it very, very hard to be in a long-term relationship with somebody who has their own issues that they need help with and in a lot of cases refuse to get help with. And so in that area, you have a lot of codependency. You have a lot of people who are trying to fix their partner, you know, kind of struggling to keep them together. Like they, you know, I don't know if you heard the word uh, projects, right? You're in a relationship, it's a project. You're trying to change somebody, fix somebody, make somebody into something that they're not. And you don't have the skill set to do it. You're not an addictions counselor. You're not a therapist. And so what tends to happen is you become codependent on each other. One of you is the enabler. One of you is the person with the mental illness or the addiction. And you are so tied together that the enabler gets all their validation and all the endorphins in their brain from helping the other person. The other person has their own set of things going on. And it's just a very, very unhealthy situation. And it's very, very hard to get out of because there's so much guilt and shame associated with it. And we don't talk about it enough. Yeah, we don't. So what do people do if they're listening now and they find themselves in that situation? I mean, I think the key is to get help, right? I mean, the good thing is, even though we still don't talk about it enough, there are a lot of people who help with abusive um, situations and relationships. I know you do. Um, I do. Our company does. But there are, you know, lots of um, Al-Non and different organizations worldwide who help partners of people who have mental health and addiction issues. Mm. And I think that, you know, we need to be okay talking about this. We need to be okay saying, you know, my partner suffers from mental illness. It's not that I don't love them, but I couldn't deal with it anymore. That's why I got divorced. Or, you know, the addiction was too strong. I couldn't cope with the, you know, alcohol abuse and I couldn't fix it and be okay with realizing that if you're on the more healthy end, the enabling end, which actually debatable whether that's more healthy, but <laughs> but if you're on that end, then it's okay that to walk away, right? It's okay yeah. to walk away. You are not responsible for saving anyone else, and mm. you know, saving syndrome get comes in there too. Tons of people addicted to saving other people, which is equally unhealthy. Yeah, absolutely, and I think you're spot on. There's- nothing wrong with asking for help when you need it and you know you might not be ready to walk away right now but getting the help and getting more clarity about what it is you're dealing with I think you explain codependency super well just then by the way because it's a tough one to put in a nutshell but you really explained it well and hopefully if you're listening to this and you are going through that situation you can reach out and get some help there are charitable organizations all over the world that will support you or you can go to your GP your doctor and, and ask for support and they can refer you as well to, to local services for you um, one of the things that we talk about a lot on my podcast is moving from that heartbreak into happiness and I know for you that there has been happiness at the end of your divorce journey so can you share that a little bit with us and tell us what happiness means for you 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, happiness definitely means something completely different to me now than it did, obviously, in my early 20s when I got married the first time. And I think it's a really important topic, right? The mm -hmm what we look for and what we, you know, we've watched way too many Disney movies at 20 to think that this is going to make a good union, you know, the hot prince or the hot princess or whatever. <laughs> and we don't really look at the more fundamental traits that you need to make a relationship and marriage last. So my first marriage, I was young and foolish and I had no clue what I was doing. <laughs> but obviously, since I've been divorced, I dated a lot of people. But when I first started, dated after my divorce, I realized that I was actually just redating people with very similar traits to my ex-husband, which yeah. is what many, many, many of us do, right? Because yeah, I see that a lot. Yeah. We replace familiar with normal, right? <laughs> because yeah. it's familiar to us, we think it's normal, but if it's been abnormal, it's still abnormal. It's just in a different person. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so it did take me a while to figure it out. So after a few god-awful relationships after my divorce where I was like, hang on a minute, this is all like deja vu, I actually took a break from dating. And I said, I'm not going to date anyone for a year. I'm really going to just focus on myself. And I worked really hard, obviously, with my company and doing things with my kids and went on a ton of like kid mom vacations. And um, basically, I just worked like 16 hours a day. I was awful. But during that time, I realized I was happy being single. And once mm -hmm. you get to that point, the people you start to attract are completely different <laughs> than the people when you're operating from a place of need instead of want. And so in a weird story, but, uh, my now fiancé contacted me on LinkedIn <laughs> Wow. It's really silly. But he lived in California and I lived in Orlando, which is other side of the world, obviously. And I didn't think anything of it. We just started having a conversation, very professional, very polite. We were, you know, talking about businesses and tech and stuff. He's in the tech industry too. And really from that common ground. And then we, you know, had more things in common. We both have three kids. We're like the Brady Bunch. <laughs> <laughs> And so we got engaged in 2017 and we've been trying to get married ever since. But now with COVID, who knows? Oh, well, congratulations. That's such a lovely ending to the story. I mean, what an amazing journey you've been on and, you know, building your own business and you know, managing to cope with a long divorce and three children, but building a, a divorce empire at the same time and helping so many people. And I'm loving your deets idea and, and not replacing familiar with normal. I love that too. So lots of really good advice and tips. Thank you so much for joining us. If people want to find out more, where can they go, Tiffany, to find out more about you and what you do? Well, they can always visit our website, dreamsrecycle.com, which is always free to divorcees, both men and women. I will never charge you any money ever. <laughs> and then, yeah. If they're interested in me personally, you can check out my coaching website at dreamsrecycle.coach. Brilliant. Well, I love it. Thank you so much for joining us. That's it for today's episode. Be sure to head on over and check out dreamsrecycle.com. And I look forward to you joining me on our next episode. That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. 
One lucky listener every single week that posts a review in iTunes will win the chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day, including exclusive one-on-one coaching with Sarah Davison herself. Be sure to head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com and pick up a free copy of Sarah's gift. Then join us on the next episode.